Hey guys, so excited to have you guys listen to this conversation today. If I am being honest, I have been podcasting now for maybe a year. I don't know. I'm still such a rookie, but this episode with my incredible friend, Kinsey Hyde is without a doubt, one of my favorites. Kenzie is so inspiring. She is one of those people that I am so thankful I have in my corner. She has served everywhere from brothels in India to the Oval Office. She is a woman that stands with such confidence, with such conviction and with such joy. And every single time I'm with Kenzie, I leave just a little bit more excited about life and just honestly believing for more. So without further ado, this episode is really special because we talk about all the things from stewarding favor to being a good friend and everything in between. So enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. I know you're going to love this episode and conversation. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. So your name is Mackenzie Joy Hyde. Yes. Okay. I love that. Tell me you are, tell me where you're originally from. Tell me where you're currently living. Tell me all the things, Kenzie. So I am from Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm originally from Connecticut, moved to Nashville about a year and a half ago and have gotten really settled in here and absolutely love what God is doing in this city. And it's such an honor to be a part of it. Okay. You are amazing. You guys, I had the honor of getting to, well, I met Kenzie, gosh, I guess a year and a couple months ago. Um, in the fall or the, I guess the summer of 2018, And what's really funny is everybody kept saying, oh my gosh, UB, I can't wait for you to meet Kenzie. I can't wait for you to meet Kenzie, this like powerful, powerful woman. And I was like, gosh, like who is this amazing girl? And then I met her and I was like totally instantly in love with her. But then just last month I got to spend an evening with her and I, I felt like my joy was my joy. My jaw was literally on the floor, Kenzie, as you were talking and as you were just like just being you, I was I was shocked at who you are. (laughs) Love that, Evie. You're so sweet. I'm serious. I am like, okay, so to give a very, a very, uh, I love before, with the very beginning of these episodes, I love to give preface, preface for people to understand who we're dealing with. So you are Kenzie Joy Hyde. I want you to give a SparkNotes version of um, your, maybe a small part of your testimony and then the the things that you've been a part of, because people are going to be like, who is this girl? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That is amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, Evie, it's so great to just be chatting with you. You are such an incredible, mighty woman of God. And I just love that we're connected and we get to do this life together. It's such a privilege. Same. So, so a little bit of my story, I'm from Connecticut and grew up in a family that loved the Lord, kind of had a tumultuous childhood and came from a lot of chaos and a lot of brokenness. And I always, I always say this when I'm speaking, but I'm kind of the poster child for God can do anything. And I really believe I'm a walking miracle because I've watched God redeem and restore and resurrect every area of my life, every part of my life since I was a child. And my mom raised five kids, a single mom and worked really hard to raise us all. I grew up and abandonment was a huge banner over my life. My first memory of a father was being left in a Walmart parking lot, chasing after a a stepfather saying, dad, dad, please don't leave me. And I grew up searching for a father and wanting, um, 
yeah, looking for a father in so many ways. And so growing up, um, my family, a lot of people in my family struggled with drugs and alcohol and suicide was really prevalent in my family and kind of a narrative for, for a lot of people, um, that I love. And from a young age, I was forced to raise my younger sisters, um, from when they were babies until high school before I went off to college. And I give that snapshot because so much of my story in my life said that I was disqualified and that I would never amount to anything, but I knew the call of the Lord on my life. And from a young girl, And from a young age, I believed that I was set apart and marked and the Lord really had a hedge of protection around me. And I, my story is also one of God redeeming so much brokenness and using it for his glory. And, and so the other radical end of the spectrum of my story is landing in places that I never thought that I would land in because but that's who God is. Right. And he's the God that qualifies the unlikely and uses the unlikely. And my story is one of ending up in the white house and finding myself in oval in the oval office and working with ambassadors and diplomats all over the world on projects and working with Kings and leaders and government officials. And Throughout my life, I've watched the Lord use me in such incredible ways and really take pains and turn them into purpose. And so it's really amazing how just seeing God turn and restore everything in my life. Oh my gosh, that's like the most humble um, Spark Notes version ever because there's like nine chapters of the book that <laughs> I was on the edge of my I seat listening it. to. Um, one really cool thing, a cool fact about Kenzie is that she actually completed that same business school um, as Brianna Hoyt, who you guys heard a few weeks ago on an episode, who is also one of Kenzie's best friends. Um, and so so basically, you guys, the, the really cool thing about Kenzie is she went from this business school, or well, she went to India first off for a human trafficking for, how long were you in India for? I was in India for about a year. Okay. <laughs> Casually forgot that. Um, <laughs> So she served for a year in India with anti-human trafficking initiatives, then went straight to one of the most intense, prestigious London business and economic schools in the world, and then went straight from that to Bethel and studied at Bethel for how many years? For about three years. Three years. Okay. And then flies across to DC and got to work uh, literally in the Oval Office and just having an influence of just, and so all, all of this to say, Kinsey, you, like you said, the only way that I can, when I hear your story or when I hear you talk is that you're clearly marked and like, there's obviously such a favor. And so what would you say, like, obviously you've just been obedient step after step and then favor follows that. But what would you say in all these different situations you look around and you're like, how did I get here? What do, would you have an answer to that question? Like how on earth did I get here in India? How on earth am I in this, in London, in this classroom? Like, how did you get to these places? It's so true. But no, that's such a great question. I'm not sure that I have an answer for that, but I think throughout the, my whole life, I've, you know, I've, 
literally just stayed so yoked to the father. And I think I'm in that season now, of like, what does it look like to be yielded and yoked so closely to the father and knowing the call of the Lord in your life comes from spending time with him and spending time in the secret place and sitting under his voice that says you are chosen, you are called, you are equipped in every single situation. And in that you walk into situations differently. And I think I've, I've had this boldness my whole life of, well, this is actually my expectation because I sit under a voice of a father who says, I'm going to do miraculous, bold things. Like he says in Daniel 11, like those who love me will do bold exploits. And I think of all the things that I've gotten to do at such a young age. And I think it's because I sat under the voice of the Lord that says, you will do mighty things. You will do great things. And, and I think I've just, and I think Evie, you would so agree with this because you've just done so many wild things, but you know, you can't have the Lord in you. You can't have the Holy Spirit in you and be ordinary and have an ordinary life. And I think, you know, ever since I was a little girl, I've always, I've always prayed, God, I want my life to defy logic. I want my life to defy the odds. I never want to look like this world. And I always want to go against the current and I think at a young age, I just started praying those bold prayers of make me look different, mark me with favor. And it's really cool to see the fruit that has come from all of that. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Even the term that you just used against the current, it's like, that is the best way to explain a life with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Amen. It is. It's like a spiritual adventure. Literally, but it's like against the current, but somehow it's so in the rhythm of his rest and all that. So, and so that's so interesting to me actually, Kenzie, because what's so you're first off, you're so young. Um, you're remind me 30, 28, 28. Okay. So you've had like 30 different lives and you're not even 30. (laughs) So what's, what's so fascinating when I heard you last month, something that really stuck with me that I've kept pondering since has been, it would be so easy for you to hit this specific chapter. Let's just say India, the first, Mm -hmm. you know, crazy, crazy thing that you probably stepped out in obedience to. I mean, that's tangible. You can, you know, yes, definitely. Um, definitely. and it would have been so easy to ride the wave of that and being like, I've arrived. This is the call on my life. And then just honestly, Uh, it still would have required so much faith, but in a way, quote, coasted, like you could have coasted right there. But then the next thing was God was inviting you into this other thing in London. And it's this full on school program, one of the most, the hardest in the, in the world to get into. And then there you could have been like, okay, I've arrived. And then, you know, and it just kept getting, okay, then Bethel, okay, then the White House and even the White House, you transitioning out of, you know, being a part of this huge thing that people all over the world would, you know, and you having this crazy clearance to, um, you know, go to these meetings and pray for these specific leaders and all these different things. It would be so easy for you to say, okay, no, this is the highest call of which is on my life. And yet, there is so much more. And yet you still keep walking. And it's like, there's no arrival point with a destiny. It's always more. It's always more. It's always more. And so it's so interesting to me because how would you, like at any point in any of those seasons, did you sit there and think, I don't ever want to leave this place. This is where I want to be all the time. That's such a good question. I think I always, I think the Lord just, I mean, in Proverbs, it says he orders the steps of the righteous. I think God literally ordered my steps so significantly in And so almost expediently, like every season I was in, it was already, he was laying something out for me in the next (laughs) season. And it was just like this expectancy and almost like we were talking about before the Holy Spirit of this crazy spiritual adventure. And I think my life always just feels like there's, 
there's so many radical moments and I, and I live in that place of expectancy, I think, and I'm ready for it because I know that our lives are supposed to mirror and mimic that. So I think I almost live in that state of expectancy of God. I know that you're going to do something wild and crazy and miraculous because that's who you are. That's in your nature. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now talk to me about expectancy for somebody who's like, what does that even mean? Because I think we walk this fine line of hope versus expectancy. And I think sometimes they look similar and I think sometimes they look different. So what does it even mean to live in that tension of always being expectant? Yeah, I think, no, that's so great. It's so true. And I think, I think, and maybe, and you would probably be able to speak into this too, but it's, I think this heart posture of knowing the nature of God and, you know, knowing who Jesus was and we, you know, the Lord didn't, Jesus didn't die for us to live ordinary. Right. And so I think that place of expectancy comes from knowing the nature of who he was and looking at all those crazy faith stories in the Bible. And you look at every crazy faith story in the Bible and all those miracles and destiny moments and uh, step off the boat moments. And all of those things happened because I think those people were in states of expectancy, right? Like they, Mm -hmm. they had these heart postures of, I know who my God is. And, and you look at the story of Daniel in the lion's den and Daniel knew like, no, this is my God. Like, I know he's going to save me. I know he's going to rescue me. And I think since I was a little girl, I've always leaned into and pressed into like held on to those so tightly, those crazy faith stories. And that's mm-hmm. what helped me kind of have a paradigm for expectation. Mm-hmm. And you would probably even be able to speak into it. It's like you're you're such a woman of like joyful expectation and hope yeah. and it is it's this tension of yeah how how do you differentiate hope and expectation because i think they work in tandem too like hope um bill johnson always says hope is the joyful expectation of his promises to come and so i think there's there's they work in tandem you know yeah yeah and i think uh hope is usually the fruit of an expected life, you know, and then, and then that's like the momentum and the fuel that so many of like your, your steps are like stepped out with hope and obedience all because of the expectation that you've been cultivating that you've been, you know, but you know, it's so interesting. I was just talking with a girlfriend today about this actually, um, with just a really intense situation. Um, and she said, how do I, how do I have hope and expect, but not for a specific outcome, but hope and expect that God is in control that regardless of what happens is what's supposed to happen. And I was like, you know what? I don't have an answer to that because so often I will step into a situation and say, I'm hoping that the end will look like this. And then when it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily shake my faith, but the fact that it didn't end how I was hoping for is just like, I'm like, huh, you know, that's interesting. And so, um, it's just, and that's the whole obvious purpose of faith is to continue to hope for things that you're not seeing and saying, okay, I'm believing that so-and-so is going to be healed, or I'm believing that, um, this bill is going to be paid or, you know what I mean? Because I think sometimes we'll just fill in the, I don't know, maybe you can speak to this. Do you ever feel like you you're just being like, I'm just going to declare this until it happens, even though the posture of your heart is so in denial, not believing it actually in fear. Like, you know what I mean? Do you ever, do you ever have that? No, that's so good of like, what does it look like to stand on the word of God when your life doesn't look like literally? It, you know? And what does it look like to stand on faith? And I think 
you know, so many of us have been in those seasons of, well, like God, this is, this is what my life looks like, but this is what your word says. And, and really standing on his word and saying, well, this is, this is your promise. This is what you spoke. And even though my life doesn't look like this right now, I know that you are so sovereign, right. And you will bring everything into pass in your time. And so I think I always think of this quote by Lisa Harper, but she says, nothing is ever wasted inside the sovereignty of God. Like no time is ever wasted in the sovereignty of God. And you think of that because there's so many seasons, right? When we're contending for things or waiting Mm -hmm. for promises or, you know, God, why did we miss that? Or didn't get that? Or why are we still, you know, praying for this and how can we still haven't seen this come to pass? And you just think of how the Lord is so outside of time and his timing is so perfect. And so I love that quote of hers, no time is ever wasted because his yes. sovereignty is perfect. So, yes, that's so good. Oh my word. So one thing I would love to, I, I imagine you, it's such a funny picture because I imagine you in the slums of India, um, you know, just hanging outside of brothels for 13 hours a day and just coming alongside yep. women. I've been totally been in that season, just the amount of um, heart that you have to unleash and yep. Um, and yeah, and not ever understanding where they've been, where, what they're walking through, but still fully empathetic to, and being willing to walk with them, even though you don't know what it looks like. Yeah. And then I see this other picture of you with your hands on the president praying or, you know, and it's like these two yeah. hilarious extreme differences. And it's like, oh my gosh, do you, did you ever find yourself in any season of life where you were like, okay, the fruit, or I shouldn't say fruit. What around, it looks around me like I'm stressed, like I'm anxious, like maybe I'm insecure, like um, there's like a lack of peace and yet I know that I'm supposed to be here. Like, have you ever had that thought? Yeah, that's so good. I think most of my life has probably felt that of how did I end up here? But knowing that, okay, this is where the Lord has called me to. Mm-hmm. This is where he's put me. And I think I've always been able to stay really rooted and grounded in that. and. Mm-hmm. It's like we don't, I was reading, I actually read this this morning, but it's like, we don't get that peace that surpasses all understanding till we give up our right to understand. And I, and I literally think of that all the time. And it's like this little quote that has marked my life because we're by, by nature, we want to know everything, right? As humans, it's like, why this, why that? And we're always, you know, asking God and like about all the question marks. And I think just in the last few years, I think that has been such an important um, word in my life of like giving up your right to understand things, whether you're meant to be there or not meant to be there and Mm -hmm. what God's doing in every season. And so, you know, I would be in brothels rescuing girls and in that, and it's in that moment that you'd have to give up your right to understand because you don't get peace until you do. It's like relinquishing relinquishing every fear, relinquishing control. And it's the same parallel you can draw to finding yourself in the Oval Office, sitting next to the president and praying and speaking into his life that, you know, giving up your right to understand, you know, how you got here, why you got here, or even if you're qualified to be there because the Lord, you know, the Lord, those he calls, he equips. And so I think partnering with those truths, I think, Mm-hmm. bring peace to every situation. I don't know mm-hmm. if that is your question. Gosh, that's so amazing. And it's kind of like, 
it's so funny how it, when you feel this little trickle of fear come down your spine in any season that you know you're in a God-ordained position, yet yeah. this fear tries to whisper in its way. And yeah. that's why it's like literally like, no, God literally ordered my steps here. I'm so firm yeah. in the word that when fear, insecurity, or anxiety, like the yeah. natural anxiety that comes with feeling unequipped, being able to say, okay, I do feel this, but this emotion is not who I am. God says that I'm qualified, capable, and directly, you know, placed in this space. Like, and so it's just so interesting. Every single, like what I keep hearing you say is like every single quote unquote problem or issue or fear is literally eradicated in the presence of God. And when you literally harbor the word of God in your heart. Yep. No, that's so good. That's so good. I was just talking to a friend about that the other day of, you know, when you're, when we're constantly, you know, washing ourselves in the word of God, it's like our mind is like the word is a fortress around our mind and it's sealed. And it's like, I think of like Smith Wigglesworth and he said like, yeah. he, he never went more than five minutes without reading the word, right? His oh whole gosh. life. He was like, that's how desperate he was for the word of God. Like, it, isn't that crazy? Like, it's crazy whole paradigm for life because if it wasn't, like, it's so easy, right, for lies to come in, for you to be influenced by culture, for fear to come in. And I just thought of him of just like, wow, he literally read the word of God. He didn't let five minutes go by. Oh my gosh. Letting God's truth watch, wash over him. And I think that has shaped my life so much of like being in the word of God and knowing it and standing firm and using it as a point of authority and the final authority in your life. And mm -hmm. because I think in so many seasons, if I had listened to humans, if I had listened to any, anyone in my life, yeah. I would have disqualified, disqualified yeah. myself because yeah. that's what my story was. And I think I've always faced so much adversity for even favor on my life. And I think not never consulting people, right? Because it's like, we have a permission slip from the Lord for everything. And it's like, we have that human permission slip that says you're chosen, called, qualified and equipped. And that's why we get to walk into every situation with deep confidence. And so I just think of, yeah. So gosh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, side note, when you said Smith Wigglesworth, I always thought that that would be the best name for a cat. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but something else that the, just the other day, I was taking the kids through the car wash. And um, as we were going through, I heard the Holy Spirit say, like, when you read, when you read my word or when you say it out loud, like, this is what's happening to your spirit and just, you know, washing it. And it was so interesting, the difference. That's so good. Well, and now every time we we go through the car wash birdies, like I want to wash my spirit. I'm like, Oh gosh, what have I done? But, <laughs> but it's interesting. The two different per, uh, experiences of my kids, Asa was terrified for his life. He does not like the car wash. Birdie was laughing, giggling. And it actually taught me a lot in that moment. I just thought there's so many different responses to being washed because sometimes it's, um, you know, just you, the way that you are just the yeah. way different people perceive different things. And so, right. Something that I feel like I can really, really relate with is when people are like, but I just don't feel like reading the word. I can tell that there's a direct correlation with transformation in my life and, the, and my mindset and the overall, like my spirit. I can tell that there is when I'm in the word, but That's A, so you could say, I don't have time. B, um, I'm getting my spiritual 
maybe biblical stuff from Instagram, like just that one little trendy quote was enough and that really fed me. Or, you know, you have all of the excuses in the book. And so what would you say to somebody who is listening to this saying, you know what, I think that's really inspiring, Kenzie, that you can wash yourself with the word and that you were in these places of favor. But like for me, I don't even know where to start. I maybe don't have a community. Maybe I'm not plugged into a church that I feel like um, is like where, you know, or whatever. What would you like? Where does somebody even start with the journey of actually washing their mind with the word of God? You know, no, that's so, so good. I love that. I think that's a great question. And it's, and it's so practical. I love it because it's so true. It's like, it can be so intimidating. And I think I always just, I think go back to the secret place. And I think it's so, the secret place is just so important. And I think as we, as we get older and life gets more, you know, hectic and busy, and there's all these demands from people around us and culture, I think you really have to guard that. And I think, and explain the secret place for somebody who doesn't know that term. Yeah. I think really just spending time with the Lord, like getting away from distractions Mm-hmm. And sitting with the Lord, whether it looks like journaling, whether it looks like worshiping, whether it looks like listening to a message, I think getting alone with the Lord and getting to know his voice is where everything stems from. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can't personify the Lord. We can't understand his nature. We can't operate in our fullness of our authority and identity until we know who he is and we know his voice. And so I think it's so vital to make sure that you spend time with the Lord and get alone with him and, and just hear his words over your life. And I love that we were saying, talking, you mentioned the car wash because it's like letting his words wash over you and learning what his voice sounds like and learning what his truth is. And I, and it can look like reading scripture or it could look like, you know, sitting on your couch and just listening to the Lord's voice over your life. But I think, the secret place is so vital. And I think sometimes even as Christians, we don't talk about it enough because like you said, we can get fed in so many other places. And that's the, our, the first thing to go is our time with the Lord. And so I think it's so important to, whether it's 15 minutes, whether it's an hour, it's so important to spend time with the Lord and be in conversation with him and hear his voice. Yeah, that's so good. So good. Oh, I love it. Um, something, it was really amazing last night. Liberty was over till like past midnight. And I think we talked love about her. you for like a solid, I love her. maybe 25 minutes of just, <laughs> and something I said to her, and actually Liberty has this thing. You guys are very, I actually see very similar anointings on both your lives. But um, something I said to her, I said, you know, what stands out so much to me about Kenzie is that she supports her friends in a way that I have never seen anybody here. In all honesty, I've been so amazed at the testimony that you have. And yet you're not screaming it from the top of the mountains in the sense to, to over, to sound like blare out the sound of your friends, the way that you support your friends. I have been, it has been so inspired. I mean, you obviously you're throwing surprise parties and that's one thing, but the way that you actually bring spiritual support to your friends literally has changed my, like, I've been like, wow, I want, it's really inspired me as a friend. And so that's something to me that I look at your life and I'm like, okay, the, that's a perfect example of how to steward favor is to serve the people around you that's to so just good. to serve literally being like, okay, I believe in Brit's calling on this. I'm going to give my gifts. I'm going to give my uh, counsel. I'm going to give my prayer time. I'm going to, you know, and that's so, so good. Talk to me about how you've been in the place. Like you have really, really powerful friends around you. Talk to me what it looks like to support 
friends around you who are really have a, you know, a big call. I mean, everybody has a big call in their life. I hate that term. Um, but how do you right, support right. them? But then also take your own time to be able to actually, you know, pour into your own future and whatnot. Yeah, I know. That's so good. I love, I believe in just celebrating people. I think cel- like celebrating the gift and the calling on people's lives and calling it out is so powerful and speaking it over them and who they are. And I think it's something I'm so passionate about because it's, it's like, that's what we're called to do. We're called to champion each other and iron sharpens iron. And I think that we, I look at, you know, the five closest friends in my life and they're all, you know, in different lanes than me, a lot of them, but they're so much a product of who I am. And I think our, our friendships are so important. It's so important to be pouring into them and their dreams and their visions. And I think it is a balance. And, but I think that it's, it's so important to me just because I believe that's what the Lord calls us to do. And when, when we celebrate people and the gifts on their life, it's like what that infuses is so immeasurable that infuses so much more than almost anything else we could do because Mm -hmm. we're actually calling out the the gifts of the Lord and the destiny on their life. And so, yeah, I really believe in celebrating people. And, and I think it's something that I, I take so seriously because it's, you know, we, we are a product of, you know, the five closest friends that we hang around and Mm -hmm. that like, that is part of our, like, that's part of our call in our life is to pour into them. And you look at Jesus's life and it's like, he had 12, 12 people that he consistently, you know, poured into celebrating them and challenging them and growing them and believing in them and pushing them into their destiny. And, and it, and I believe it was the circle. It's like, they, you know, there were moments I'm sure that they encouraged each other and Jesus, but I think, and then you look at, he had two, he had a sphere of three that he poured into very closely too. And I believe that that's how we're supposed to model our life. And, and, you know, I always think it's like, we are called to mirror mimic and release everything that Jesus did. And it's like, he, he chose people with such intention and, you know, devoted his life to pouring into them. And so I think it's so important. So good. So good. Oh my gosh. Okay. So tell me, okay, you're 28 years old and you've been in multiple different cities, multiple different sectors of influence. What is a dating life and that type of uh, experience? What does the dating look like? <laughs> I love this, Evie. This is great. Um, dating. To, I feel like you're honest, too busy to even go on a date. <laughs> to be honest, I don't feel like I'm in a the Lord hasn't opened any doors to date or anything here, but I'm so excited for that season. And when it comes, whether it's next month or in the next two years, I think I'm so ready for that. But I think just going back to timing, I think I trust the Lord's timing in everything. And there's so much peace that, you know, his word says like he doesn't withhold anything good from us. And so I know that that door will open when it's time. So Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. I just feel like I just want, I just am so excited. Amen. <laughs> so me too. Excited. <laughs> Nashville that. needs to wake up. Okay. So in, um, in a question I have is like, you have been in these multiple different, um, like I just said, sectors of influence. 
what are your dreams? Like what, what on earth do you want to do with your life? Like continue to do with your life, I should say. Yes. No, that's, I love that. That I think I feel, I feel like I have so many different passions and I'm sure you can relate to this. Uh, so I many feel like passions. <laughs> I feel like what, like one of those cubes with all the different colors on them and there's so many different things. And I'm like, Lord, I'm so expectant. I'm, I'm going to use that word because that's the heart posture that I choose to take, but I'm so expectant, right. Of like, God, what are you going to do with all these things? Because since I was 17, I just found myself in these crazy positions and programs. And, and I know that the Lord is going to use it all for something so powerful, whether it's leading in government one day or writing policy or continuing to work in the social justice sector or, or something like that. I think I'm so passionate about so many different things and some, uh, uh, something I'm working towards now is, um, getting into consulting. I've done a little bit of it in my past and I'm really what does passionate that mean? about I'm really passionate about business and helping businesses grow and nonprofits implement strategies okay. and things like that. And so that is something that I would love to transition into soon. And so but, is that something where you get hired to basically sit down and brainstorm with organizations of how to do it more efficiently and exactly. reach, reach more influence? Strategize. Wow. Implement new things. That's and fascinating. That, yeah, so I would love to work with business leaders and entrepreneurs. I also feel really called to the political arena and influencing policy and social justice issues. And I've worked, you know, at the past, the, the current administration intermittently. And I think down the line, I would love to, you know, keep working in that realm, but Sometimes I feel like the slip road and I'm so also so passionate about women and empowering and equipping women with identity and purpose and authority. And so I think it'll be so exciting to see what the Lord does down the line and where oh he my gosh. Oh my gosh, for sure. I feel like people are on the edge of their seat. Just like, where is Kenzie going next is like the question of the century. I love it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Holy cow. Okay. Well, the last thing I kind of want to wrap up with is, uh, you know, you're passionate about women, um, and you just went on a trip, uh, women and healing and seeing God obviously come in power and, and purity on people. You just got back from a trip from Nicaragua. Um, yeah. tell me a little bit about, um, because you have such experience and you're so educated in international development and all that kind of yeah. goes, um, yeah. tell me a little bit about what it's like to be really, really a total patriot at heart and then doing this international missions and the way that you see it influencing. Do you, obviously you think that there is a good to it. Um, and that's a lot, you know, big question Are short-term missions powerful or not And their whole industry. You know, there's all those big questions and debates, but tell me what you've experienced traveling internationally and uh, maybe just a few things that you've seen that have, you know, given you that background and that perspective. Yeah, no, that's such a, that's such a powerful question. Cause I think it's something that is such a hot topic. And even for our generation, I think it's so important to dialogue about that because missions is, is so, you know, it's so big and it's so instrumental, but I've had the privilege of doing 
you know, traveling a ton overseas and working on small scale missions projects and large scale ones and short term and long, long term. And my background is sustainable development, international development, like you said. And I think it's so important when we do missions to do it in a sustainable way. And I think even in short term missions, there's a way to do it sustainably. And I think that's the conversation that's so important because you need longevity in, in missions projects, right? And you need mm-hmm. them to be sustainable for the people that you're working with. And so I, we just got back from Nicaragua and it's really amazing. We, um, my friend Brittany, you mentioned her, she led a trip to Nicaragua and she's been working with an organization down there for over a decade. And so it's really amazing to see missions done in such a sustainable way with longevity and the way that they're implementing change down there and all the impact that they've made has come because they've chosen to invest in specific communities for a long term, right? And not just go down there for a week once. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been a part of, you know, missions projects where you go down there for a week and then you leave and, you know, it's the change isn't as impacting or rewarding, right? Because you can't see it. Right. What you're doing. So yeah, I think I'm, I'm so passionate about seeing missions done in a sustainable way. And, and when you There's say sustainable, so great- tell me an example of um, like sustainable, would you define that as like, it has to be ignited and fully ran by locals and fully, um, and like, like explain to me what is an ethical way to have a sustainable approach to um, missions? Because it's something I'm also really passionate about, but I'm honestly uneducated. I'm like, okay, all I know is that I, you know, I believe in this and I believe that I want to sacrifice my life for it. But as far as doing it efficiently, ethically, and sustainably, that it's like, where, where do they all marry each other? Yeah, I know that's so good. I think doing something with a balance that has longevity that can be upheld and long lasting. And there's ways to do it with investing in specific organizations, right? You know, multiple times instead of just you know, going down somewhere short term and, mm-hmm. you know, doing different organizations every time. And so I think um, creating change that, you know, supports people for the long term that they can, however you're investing in them, whether it's building homes, it's something that stays in their life for mm-hmm. years to come. And it's not just, you know, a monetary gift or something like right. that. Where exactly. It, where it, it, it's it, spent it and then gone. Yeah. Right. right. And so I think, and that's such a, that's such a hot topic too. Like there's so many, and you know, Brianna can into this a lot too. It's like, there's so much aid that goes into so many different countries and millions and millions of dollars are poured in, you know, monthly, but where does all that money go? These countries are still in poverty yeah. and look at the, uh, the earthquake in Haiti, right. And that, you know, the, the government poured in billions of dollars and years later they couldn't account for it and they, they didn't know where it went. It just disappeared. And I think that when we, you know, when we pour in money, it's not sustainable. And I think we have to commit to specific projects, whether it's infrastructure, whether it's homes, whether education, education. I love Mm -hmm. that you said education because it's like, that's what changes lives, right? Mm -hmm. Not breaking the cycle of poverty. So the economics can, yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. I wish that you would um, start a online university that I could be a student at. 
I love it. Amy, you're so <laughs> I am so serious. I just feel like um, it's really special. You guys, uh, I get to pray with Kenzie every Tuesday morning recently, just a small group of us girls um, pray together on a little Google hangout call. And every single time Kenzie opens her mouth, it's just like, man, I, this is just so pure. It's so thought out, you know, the way that you pray and the way that you care for people. And so honestly, having you in my corner, I'm like, whew, I hate that I went 27 years without you. <laughs> no, it's so true. I remember the first time I met you, Evie, we, at the conference that the, both the girls spoke at, they, we lit I literally remember you saying, well, how did we go our whole lives without being <laughs> friends? And literally, I was just thinking like, wow, this is, God, you have the perfect timing, but wow, we waited decades to become totally. friends. And, you know, Evie, you are somebody that, you know, everybody you meet, it's like, you know, I know you for a second, but you, you don't know a stranger and you treat people like family. And it's like, you are such a sister in Christ to me and are such a special friend. So it's mm. so incredible. I'm so, I'm so privileged to know you. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So to wrap it up, I want you, I always, I, I've been asking this question lately. Let's pretend that you are in an arena and you have 5 trillion people watching and reaching your voice. What would you say to those people? I would say that God can use anybody and he wants to qualify the unlikely. And there's no part of your story that he can't redeem or restore or resurrect. And I, I really believe that, you know, when you have the Lord in you, it's like, you're not meant to live an ordinary life. You are set apart. And so I just believe that God wants to use you and whoever is listening to this today, I believe that God wants to use you in a powerful way and rewrite your story and, and change narratives in your life where, you know, the enemy has tried to bring discouragement or shame. And I believe that he wants to use you in a radical way. So let him. And so it's such an honor to just know you and see you shift culture and be a pioneer in the kingdom. And especially for women, I think you're such a standard of righteousness. So I want to honor you just as a sister and friend. It is such a joy to do life with you. Mm, I love you. I love you so much. <laughs> Ah, do you get what I mean when I say how inspiring and powerful Kenzie is? Um, as always, if you want to give Kenzie a follow, you can find her in the tagged post of our recent announcement for this week's episode on our Instagram. That is fearless.co underscore. Um, I always say this at the end of each episode, but make sure if you are loving that specific episode or this podcast in general, go to our iTunes page and leave a comment. And if you don't have an Apple product, then maybe go to our website, fearlessco.org and leave a comment of how this is influencing you. Um, to get feedback and to hear how these episodes are helping you or maybe just speaking to you or blessing you, it means a lot to us on our end. Um, so all that to say, we can't wait to release our next episode next Wednesday. We love you guys and stay fearless. <laughs>